Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And I'm really excited today because my guest is from Australia, and we come up with people from all kinds of of avenues and unusual manners, so I'll tell you a little bit more about her. Um, Linda Dyer is one of 58 people from around the globe filmed for The Secret because she applies her materials to her life and cured herself of the debilitating disease of lupus. She's a certified professional trainer on neuro-linguistic programming, and we're going to hear more about that in just a little bit. She's also a master trainer of Matrix Therapies. She's an international speaker, a transformational coach, a TEDx speaker, a cast member of Living Consciously, which I believe is a TV show out of Australia. I'm sure we'll hear more. And the author of 11 best-selling books. She's assisted the earthquake victims in China. She sponsored a village in Africa and now works with the Vietnam Australian Charity Organization. Her motto is, you can make it happen now. And you may detect a slight accent, as she is from Australia. I love her accent. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining our show today. Well, thank you very much. That's a wonderful introduction. I wonder who this woman is. (laughs) Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? (laughs) Well, you know, it's kind of funny to me because it's a really small world. My, My husband and I, I always had a a dream of one day owning a cabin on a lake. And back in 20, uh, 2010, we had this opportunity to buy this cabin. It wasn't very expensive. It was just perfect timing for us. And it's down in a little community on the Oregon coast called Florence. And it's about, Eugene is a couple miles or a couple hours south of Portland, Oregon. And then uh, Florence is straight uh, west from there, right on the Oregon coast. And we have neighbors in our little town of Florence named Jim and Carol Silkey. And they've become very good friends. And it turns out that Linda is a friend of theirs. And that's how I got connected to her. So it's just a small little world. And Carol Silkey gave me a copy of Linda's book. And I was very impressed with her. And I reached out to her and asked her if she would consider being a guest on my show. So here she is. So very excited about that. So tell me, Linda, what is it? I've never been to Australia. It's been on my bucket list forever. What's it like to live there? Well, right now it's burning. (laughs) Really? We have 100 fires in Queensland. No. 70 fires in New South Wales. So, um, yeah, we've had the hottest uh, summer, we've had the hottest winter, we've had the hottest spring on record, and of course now it's not even summer, and we're getting um, temperatures of near to between 80 and 100 degrees. Oh, my gosh. Your temperature, and... um, yeah, so it's it, we're just watching the TV to find out, you know, what's going on. And we've lost um, 150 homes recently with the fires. So, look, it's a beautiful country. It just uh, is very dry in inland and we have a lot of bush. And so once that bush sets alight, it's hard to, um, to get it sorted. Um, but our beautiful uh, oceans... Our Great Barrier Reef, our beautiful rock in inland, we have some really, really lovely attractions. And, of course, we're one of the first in the world to do New Year's, so we attract people from all over the world for our spectacular New Year's Eve show. What, what, what's that about? Tell me, tell me about that New Year's Eve show. Well, we um, put on about $4 million worth of fireworks Holy all moly. around <laughs> – all around the Sydney Harbour, we light up the Harbour Bridge, we light up the foreshores, we light up the Opera House, um, and actually people do come from all around the world to see this magnificent, to bring in the new year. To, um, it, it happens at nine o'clock for the kiddies, and it happens at uh, midnight um, for the grown-ups. <laughs> well, what a wonderful community thing to do now where where in australia it's a very huge country where do you where do you live in australia what are you near 
So I'm, um, if you look at Sydney, um, everything works out north, south, east or west of the bridge, the Harbour Bridge. And okay. I'm north of the Harbour Bridge on the northern beaches. Okay, so you're on the beach too. So just add that to... Um to have the beauty of Australia, and I'm sorry about the fires. I don't. I'm not sure how I missed that. I don't know if it's not being covered over here, or I just haven't turned on the news lately. That's also very possible. <laughs> Get busy doing other stuff. So, um, well, gosh, I I am so honored that you agreed to join me today. And as I was reading some stuff about your bio and your background, you're an author. You're an actor. You're a professional speaker, you're a trainer, you're a coach. My opinion, you're a superhero. I mean, saving communities and and I'm just, um, I, I'm so blown away by that. So why don't you just talk for a few minutes and tell me of those things I just mentioned, which came first and how did you get into that? Um, I think from a little girl, I remember having my ear to the radio and I was listening to Annie Oakley and Inspirational Women. And I had decided at very early age that I was going to be one of those women. And <laughs> I followed a lady who was an Aboriginal lady who became a very famous tennis player by Yvonne Gulligan Corley. I read uh, powerful books that women had written. And I just decided I was going to do that. I, I had no idea how, but um, I'm one of seven children. And um, the women weren't even given a middle name because of we didn't lack the importance according to uh, the parents in those days. My dad was raised by a grandmother in Warntown, England. And um, God love him, he's just passed away a couple of months ago. So mm, I loved him to bits. But, um, yeah, it was um, I was going to be somebody. And I don't know, I when people asked me what I was going to be, I said I was going to be a missionary. And I guess in a way I'm doing that. So... You know, I think we seem to know what our purpose is from the time we're born. We just go around it the long way. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we do. And sometimes people really struggle to, struggle to figure out what yeah. their purpose is. And, and uh, yeah, so it's, I'm glad you found yours because you've done a lot in your life and very exciting. And then something happened to you where you, and I'd like to hear, I really want, want our listeners to hear about this. You discovered that you had lupus and how did you discover that and when did it happen and what can you just do you mind taking a couple minutes and tell us about your about that no, story? sure so i think with all my hyperactivity so, um i was a, that little girl on the farm and we my dad and mom put us on the farm because they thought that would be a very healthy environment for us and so we could grow our own fruits and vegetables and we had peaches and oranges and and chooks which um uh, fowls or hens, whatever you call them over there, and they're running everywhere laying eggs. And so we had a plethora of food coming into the household. We learned to pack peaches and oranges and send them off to market. Um, and, you know, Dad thought we all loved it and I actually didn't because it took me away from what I thought was reality and I wanted to be a famous tennis player. Oh, really? And- <laughs> and, so we're going to um, add tennis to your to your mix here, huh? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, it was just something I did and I loved and I lived with a racket in my hand. So um, from all of that comes the chemicals. And, of course, our two of our pedigree dogs passed away and my parents never at any time thought that there could be something happening to us even though all the chemicals were running rampant on the farm, um, enough to kill the dogs. So, you know, with ignorance, and I think that's all it is, it's about ignorance, we just don't know. So I started to become um, a little unwell. My mother was riddled with arthritis, so, and lupus is actually arthritis of the bloodstream. So when you look at the nature-nurture controversy, you do inherit 20%, and so we've got that arthritic gene running around the system, um, yeah, and a few things happened on the farm, like, um, you know, we got the red rosy cheeks, which is very typical of lupus. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of things that happened on the farm. And then when we left the farm, I was playing tennis, um, I was active working, um, and I worked four jobs to put myself through University of Oregon, which is where I met Carol. You're a I- duck. 
You're a you're a Yay. duck. I have two kids that are ducks. <laughs> yeah, that was oh really gosh. foreign to me to see that much rain. <laughs> well, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet you could use some of that right now, though, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, although right you can now see it's... all the Australians on campus because we were the ones that ran. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Well, right now I'm looking out the window of my apartment where I my studio is, and it's sunshine, blue sky. It's for the Northwest this time of year. Unbelievable. So I just, yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, is it global warming or is it just a beautiful day? I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, but wow. So when, how, first off, how did you find out you had lupus? I mean, so the dogs passed away. You weren't sure what yeah. that infection was. So how did you find out that you had it and when did that happen? So I think, you know, you don't get a disease overnight. And I right. think if I look back, it takes about seven years to manifest. And so um, I was swimming a mile a day at the University of Oregon. I was playing tennis for the university. I was doing two degrees in two years because I couldn't afford to stay any longer. And all that added up to me um, not paying attention to what was really going on with my body. I just pushed and pushed and pushed. And then I came home on a safari through Africa just to finish me off. When I got home, I wasn't well. And they thought it was like a malaria and um, that's how it all started. And I ended up in the Tropical Diseases Centre. Um, and then after I had my I, – I got a job. I wanted to change institutions out here. I got a job at a university. I worked really hard to make it successful. I got a job at a hospital, made that successful. And this was wearing me out. Um, and then after I had my baby um, at 31, 32 – um, I had no energy left. I felt, and I kept falling over, hitting walls as I walked. And it was a staff health uh, nurse that said, hang on a minute, there's a pattern here. You've been down here three times with what's called a virus. We better send you off to the lupus clinic. And that's how it started. Wow. So what are the symptoms of lupus? You know, we all, we've all heard the term, but I really don't know much about it. Can you... You well, you feel very weak. Um, like if I felt that weakness and I was sort of leaning into the leaning to the right or I couldn't walk straight or something, I knew I only had 20 minutes to get home and I'd be in bed for four days. My hair started oh. to fall out. I was very hot all the time, which is an acidic system. Um, yeah, it, I had ended up, look, I had ended up with nephritis, with what they called asthma, which I don't believe I had, um, irritable bowel, so the bowel just starts to work when it feels like it, not when you want it to. Um, there's a lot of things that start to deteriorate in the body. Wow, it just sound, it sounds pretty miserable and painful. Yeah, I didn't have much energy enough because I had a little baby. So oh. I was trying to give – and I was working. So I was trying to give the best to the baby, the best to my job because that's what I do. I'm 110 percenter. And I was I had, I had, I was totally ignorant of why – how could I be this unwell when I was a representative tennis player, when I could yeah. swim a mile a day? You know, yeah, how you're so physically that? active. You wouldn't yeah. – you know, you always think about the way to avoid illness is to stay physically active, eat right, yeah. do all the right things, which it sounds like you were doing, and then boom, you get something like this. And so, so having lupus, I, and we're going to get into it in the next segment about, um, you know, how you kind of cured yourself of all this because I know our listeners want to hear that. But is that is that diagnosis? Is that what got you into the work that you do now? Oh, look, um, absolutely. So um, when I was in the – I left the – I started to work at a hospital and I wanted to change the hospital into a wellness centre and I won an outstanding Young Australian Award for that and I had a 1,000 people a week coming to program. So I, I don't do anything small. So yeah, there was a, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, that doesn't surprise me what you're saying. <laughs> so there was a lot of work you know, went into that and I'm really grateful for the staff to pick that up. I also worked at a university. I had a fetish about institutions because I wanted everyone to be able to go to these institutions that we pay for. And so it was a real, yeah, this, even though you're saying I'm doing all the right things, I did too much of the right thing. Yeah. You know, too so much was stress Was stress part of the 
part of the stress problem? is a huge part. But you see, when you think you're fit, and I'm so fit, I'm dangerous. I used to tell people, <laughs> 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 you're actually hiding what's really going on. And and after my baby was born, I didn't feel good, and I didn't feel good again, and then I didn't feel good again, and I decided I went through the lupus clinic for three years and I still didn't feel good and so I made a decision to leave them and they were furious and I decided that I could do this because in the industry I joined I became a fitness leader when I left the um, hospital after 14 years I then became into wellness and nutrition I was always searching for information about us. How do we tick? I, I was fascinated about us. And then I discovered um, personal development and nutrition and it started to all come into place and it took years. And, you know, I wouldn't have been here if I didn't do it. So I'm really grateful for all those opportunities. I came to America a lot because I was um, – not only did I do my degrees over there, but I was asked to come over. I became um, an aqua fitness instructor. And oh, I, okay. Yeah, wow. And they loved us because we were pretty flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just so impressed with you, and I know that that lupus must have just really kicked you in the hiney because um, as, <laughs> as, as, you know, as busy as you are to suddenly – have this sense of you're just totally fatigued and exhausted. That must have been a huge, um, you know, a real, a real switch for you. And Absolutely. you know, to go from from you know not very active to not able to be active versus from extremely active to not able to be active. That's that's a huge swing, and um, I really admire your your tenacity to get everything brought back and so we're going to talk more about that but we are going to go ahead and go out to break right now so stay tuned we'll be back in a minute become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america thank you for listening today breast friends needs your support We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. the last time you felt free it's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states giving you the freedom to love to dream to dance like no one is watching regions blue cross blue shield live fearless Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Linda Dyer, superhuman, author, educator, and lupus survivor. And just before the break, we were talking about her devastating diagnosis and just how how much it changed her life during that time. And so, Linda, how long did you battle lupus before you finally figured out what to do about it? Uh, I'd say 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really? well, no, I'd say through that time... 
I was starting to do something about it. So I, as I said, I, I left the um, hospital after 14 years and started my own business. And in that business, I started coming over to the States. I was doing aqua fitness instruction and I was leaning more and more into the nutrition the nutrition program. So I was learning, I had a, a fetish to learn more about women, hormones, what's going on for the body, etc., etc. And then I would bring that information back to Australia. And then I, um, I ran my own business and I ran workshops on wheels all around Australia in the fitness industry. And I started to teach people about their bodies and their health, which is Remember what, as a little girl, that's what I wanted to do. I want. I really had a fetish about how we function, and how we got sick, and then how we can get well. So I was really learning about what was happening to me, and uh, in the uh, fitness industry and health industry, there was a personal development program, and so I started going to the personal development. So now I had the whole three things happening. I had the physical. I had the nutrition. And I had the personal development and that's putting all that together gradually, I started to see how I could um, change who I was and what I was going through and actually, you know, attempt to become well. So is that what, okay, I don't really know and I I mentioned this in your introduction and I really don't know anything about it so maybe you could educate me and our listeners at the same time and is that any of that have to do with neuro-linguistic programming? Yes, um, that's what I'm doing now. At the okay. beginning, I joined a guy by the name of Bob Proctor who was running personal development programs. Mm-hmm. And I loved – I was dragged, actually, to his program. Um, and I said to this guy who wanted me to go – you know, who needs more personal development? I'm the most positive person I know. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently he needed me to go for him. So I went there and I am leaning more forward and more forward and more forward in this show thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to teach this one day. That's all I said. So I did. I started really learning this material. I met Bob Proctor Um, And I started to learn about the power of the mind, how we think, how we can change the way we think. It was massive. And then after I'd finished running around the world teaching those programs, both in Australia and in um, overseas, I asked, I'm always wanting to know what's happening next, what's happening next. And somebody suggested I do NLP. And NLP is neuro the power of the mind and the brain, linguistic, what is the language we speak? Are we saying what we can't do or are we saying what we can do? And programming, how were we programmed? So if you look at Robert Diltz and Maslow's work, they look at 0 to 7, everybody gave us their stuff. From 7 to 14, we're, Mm -hmm. we're copying somebody. So really for the first 14 years, we copied somebody. And so that makes sense. What we do in our environment basically is this sense of copy. But did we copy what we want to go forward with? And then from 14 to 21, we started to work it out. So from 14 to 21, we're saying, do I want to keep that value and do I want to let that value go? Does that make sense? So it does. It kind of re- makes me think of like the, you know, politics. When we're children, we tend to believe the same thing our parents believe. That's and right. so whatever party your parents are, you are the same thing because that's what you were taught and that's what we believe. So we're mimicking them. But then at some point in time, we grow up, we mature and we come into our own decisions about things like that. So it kind of reminds me of that. Is, is it similar or is Yes, exactly right. And then from 14 to 21, we start to question. And that's why you have that disruptive teenager. <laughs> questioning, that questioning, sense. you know, what do I want to keep? You know, well, that's your value. I don't want to live like that. Because now they're mixing with other kids that have been raised by different people who have different sure. values. Sure. And sense. values are just a whole bunch of habits stuck together. I mean, people <laughs> will die for their value. Culture, a culture is a value. So the American culture is what you value. And it's a whole bunch of people that value the same thing that becomes a culture. And as we can tell overseas in some other countries, people will die for their culture. So, which is a bunch of habits that people have been given them day after day after day. And they've embraced it as their truth. 
And never so thought about it that way, but that makes perfect yeah. sense. It really, it really does. So, what do you when you talk about um, in your the motto that I wrote down in in your intro, the the statement that you can make it happen now. What where did that come from, and what does that mean to you? So, um, why waste the energy of thinking why you can't do something? <laughs> That's true. It takes just as just much energy. Just go and do it. You yeah. know what I mean? It, 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 you've got, I, I used to say to people, you've got all this energy in your body. If you look at the size of your body, you've got all that energy. Why waste a second thinking about what you can't do? If you put all your energy thinking about how you can do something, then you can make it happen now. Whatever you want to do. And I, I got that. It was like, oh, my God, that was a light that went off. And I really got that. And the day I really got it was the day I flew into China in 2008 and I'm teaching NLP and there's an earthquake. And I got that I could help the people in China. And I'm going, how can I do that? I don't even speak a word of Chinese. But this idea, you know, see, the universe will give you ideas and the universe will only give you ideas that you're capable of achieving. So when you get a big idea, I know that I can achieve that. Because I can make it happen now. So I talked to some people over there and I said, why don't we go and help these people in the earthquake zone? And so what did you that, end up doing? I ended up, um, I, I wrote a book called Good Grief, What a Wonderful Life I Had. And it was because I lost six people in six months. I didn't, I didn't know how to cope. And so my dog wrote it through me. And, ah. and it's a beautiful book. I'm actually out of them because I, I sell so many or give them away. It was my gift to the universe. And so I got that translated into Chinese. And we took that book up into the earthquake zone. And I worked with a lady by the name of Hong who's gorgeous. And um, together we went up to the earthquake zone three or four times. It cost me about 10 grand. And I went up there and we did whatever we could to help people get through the grief. Because from the physical fitness point of view, I know that grief gives you cortical steroids. Cortical steroids gives you really bad stress and bad health. So this country could be ruined by this earthquake if we don't help them. That was my thought. Well, it's probably a really good thought. So, um, And so was that kind of what began your work in working in different communities and different countries? Was that your first venture? Because I know you also did some work in Africa, and now you you work with the Vietnam Australian charity. Um, yes. So is that kind of was that sort of the beginning of of your international yes. work? Yes, okay. it absolutely was. That whole concept of you know that missionary concept, you might say. So yeah. um, I we went up to the earthquake zone, and I took the three people wanted to come, two people plus myself, and they were saying, I don't think we can get through the Chinese army, and I don't think. When I'm going, girls, stop. We're going to only believe in faith. If you lose the faith and you go back to fear, then we're not going to do this. And your thoughts are energy. So keep the faith. And we ended up getting through the Chinese army. He read the book and said, I'm going to get into trouble, but I'm going to take you to the earthquake zone. And we got into the earthquake zone. We handed out the books. There was 100 kids left out of 2,000. So that's how catastrophic it was. I cried like a baby. It was absolutely um, the sad, a sad time. However, handing out my books as a present for their next part of their life was just a- exhilarating. And um, I saw little kids wiping the faces of adults, mm. you know, you know, you can get through this. I, you have no idea what these people went through. So then I realized that I can do that. I can do anything. And the opportunity oh. came later on to go to Africa, which I'd always promised. I did a six-month safari through Africa after I left America in the 70s. And um, I off- promised them I'd come back. And I went back and saw this village and I said, let's sponsor this. And this friend of mine and I sponsored a village um, and got them to become independent. We didn't give them money. We gave them money according to them learning to grow chickens, grow pigs. We oh, built smart pens and we wanted them to become, um, they can look after themselves. So rather than just give them something they're going to run out of, you taught them something on how to, yeah. how to 
sustain themselves. That's great. Well, you know, I don't want to run out of time in the second segment to get started because we only have one segment left after this one. Um, I want to talk, I'm going to switch gears on you here just a little bit. And I want to talk about sickness in the immune system. And, you know, I I have a question. Why, Why do you think people get sick now? We have so much more knowledge about the body than we ever did before. And yet we're still getting sick. Why? What's that about? I think there's three things. One is the nature-nurture controversy. So it's really understanding the chemicals that you're confronting yourself with. You know, there's chemicals in food, there's chemicals in the ground. When I was in America in the 70s, I started bringing out calcium tablets. Why? There was no calcium left in the soil. So we, and we've become ignorant of that. You know, it's all about a tablet. Take this tablet, take this tablet. And in the end, I think it's more than that. So the nature-nurture controversy is what did we inherit and then what are we confronting ourselves with? What chemicals, what exposure are we having to dangerous sugars, to dangerous, etc. The next part of it is the stress. We're more stressed today than we've ever been in society because of the pressure of, you know, do we have enough money to live, both parents working, Etc. 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 So, and stress is catastrophic. When I had lupus, I would go and have tests, and all my cholesterol, everything would go up because I I would go and have have the test just to see because I was intrigued. Stress is massive. Um, you've got people working harder, working faster. You've got both parents working to try and make ends meet. So, stress. Uh, we've got oxidative stress and we've got inflammatory stress i won't go into the scientifics of that but they that's the stress that we have and so our body responds in a negative way to stress um and sadly medicine puts a tablet on that and i the reason why i got well is because i decided not to take one i just wanted to study how Mm -hmm. that all worked um so yeah the consequences of stress are huge Well, let's talk about the immune system. What is it exactly and how does it work? So the immune system is the ability, the an autoimmune problem is the um, imbalance of the immune system. So you've got things like your thyroid, you've got your appendix, you've got your blood, bone marrow, you've got all sorts of things in your body that help you when you take a toxin in that you have B cells and T cells that attack those toxins the T-cells, it's like Pac-Man. The T-cells go, oh, goody, 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 and it gets these T-cells and it takes it over to the B-cells and the B-cells take it to the bloodstream to digest. The problem is that you're doing this every day. You're continually, without with ignorance, you're continually exposing yourself to more and more chemicals, more and more stress, and in the end, these B and T-cells, they wear out. And the white blood cell count goes down, it's exhausted, and all of a sudden you can't function. Well, sounds tiring. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So the autoimmune system, I mean, excuse me, the autoimmune disease, what is that in relation to the immune system and, and what, what's happening when you have autoimmune disease? So we tend to have a weakness that could be inherited or could be from whatever in our system. And when you have an autoimmune breakdown, um, it will break down in that system of weakness for you. So when my brother got an autoimmune problem, it broke down in his chest. Um, He was very um, applicable to the asthmas and the bronchitis. And really, um, we, we were exposed to so much on the farm, a lot. So the autoimmune, one in two people have an autoimmune disease. That, mm. That's how sad it is two. now. Wow. So cancer, diabetes, um, Hashimoto's, lupus, MS, um, all those diseases are now linked, including heart disease, are linked to the autoimmune system. If the autoimmune system is not well and starts to break down, then you have the ability to go into whatever that disease is that your body's manifesting. So I heard one time a description of autoimmune disease is when your the immune system in your body actually starts to attack itself. That's right. And that's why I was wow. saying the B cells and the T cells are so worn out that they don't even know how to pick the the bad cells anymore. So they just start taking any cell and eating it and shoving it over to the white blood cell. And so that's the expression of your body's eating itself. Wow. So what can we do to improve our our autoimmune system? And we only have a a 
about a minute or so till the next break, but yeah. we can always pick it up on the other side. So what can we do to improve our immune system? The first ourselves? thing we need to do is make a decision to get well. Okay. That's an irrevocable decision and to see yourself well. I got a picture of me playing representative tennis when I felt great and I focused on that every day and said, what can I do today to get back to that? But that's a very clear decision. Then you have to start acting and we'll go through how I did that and believing you can get well and then expect a great result. So basically first decide then take action, and then I'm writing these down because this yeah. is good. And then Decide, expect- act, and believe. The action and belief rotate. They, the more you believe, the more you act. The more you act, the more you believe. You believe, sure. Yeah, because you're, you're feeding in, into the positiveness of what's, what, right. what you can do. So mindset is obviously a very critical part of all this. Very critical part. And, you know, just understanding that you have this, this, you have this, you allowed it to happen. Maybe it was ignorance, but now you're getting some knowledge. So you can do something about it. So it's one step at a time. I think you just said something very key because I know that, you know, I've battled cancer off and on since 1996. I'm in my fifth battle right now as we speak. And um, I sometimes it's hard for me to think about the fact that, that, Maybe this drug I'm on right now will turn this around or that maybe the power of prayer will accomplish this for me. It's hard to to get there sometimes and and to think that way when I'm struggling sometimes really hard to just, you know, want to get up and go do anything. So um, so having a mindset, how do when you're in that negative place that which we all get into from time to time, regardless of our circumstances, we all get into that negative place space you know from a time but do you have any techniques or things that you do personally when you're finding yourself in that kind of negative space to turn that around and and turn it around quickly yeah I say the word next n-e-x-t next okay and I (laughs) I love that because in the in the neural networks of your brain you've got dendrites and they're the patterns of behavior and if you've got a pattern of behavior that takes you to a pity party you want to close that pity party down. You want to close that oh. dendrite down. You want to close that, that whole pattern of behavior down. So by saying next, I even shake my head and say next, I don't allow that dendrite um, or that pity party to manifest. And then I'll just say, do I need to take minerals? Do I need to rest? What do I need to do today to get back to that? And I've got my goal, which is me playing representative tennis, up on the wall. Good for you. I have a friend who used to use that term when she would date men. You know, she'd meet one that was just really bad for her and she would say, next. <laughs> that ended it very quickly. <laughs> I love that. That's, uh, that's a, a new way to look at that word next. But I, I think that's, that's good. You know, I went to a church down in, in Southern Oregon for quite a while. And the pastor there, John Corson, I remember one time when he said, God's got the big picture. The devil's got the Polaroid. And, you know, when, when, and what that means is, you know, God's got this big plan for our lives, this big picture for our lives. And then every now and then the devil kind of jumps out from behind a rock and he holds up this Polaroid picture of something bad in your life that he doesn't want you to forget. Because, I mean, if you keep your remembering these bad things, then you can stay in a bad place, right? Yeah, whatever you think about, you get. Yeah. So when you see those, when you get that Polaroid vision coming back to you, next. Next. (laughs) I love that. That's in the past. And yeah. nothing in the past That's up right. until a second ago can affect your future unless you let it. That's true. I love that. Thank you. Um, so negative emotions definitely affect our body and our health. And um, and I think we've kind of covered why that is. So, so let's um, – actually, we're going to just go ahead and end this right now, and we'll pick this up in just a few more minutes. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time 
For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Linda Dyer, superhuman author, educator, and lupus survivor, and somebody I have just really come to love and respect her during this show because she's just so smart. Um, So, Linda, let's kind of pick up where we started to leave off and talking about negative emotions and how how they affect our beliefs. And just, I know you had a little bit more to say about that. Yes, um, the emotions stem from the heart. So the emotions up around the head, the neck, the chest, that tends to be where we store anger. And um, and then the emotions across the chest, from the heart across, that tends to be where we store grief, sadness. Mm. And the emotions down, from the heart down through the bowel to the hips, that's where we store fear. So 97 disease. 97% of diseases stem from the bowel, so they stem from fear. So fear is, and that's what I, I was full of fear, that fear of running my own business, that fear of being able to measure up or, you know, be good enough, etc. Even though I was efficient and I could run a lot of things, I still didn't like who I was. So that's why you get the irritable bowel, etc., etc. Cancer oh, tends to be, okay. yeah. Cancer tends to be anger turned inward. So a lot of people have maybe not voiced their um, anger, and so we can relieve um, some people with cancer journeys by letting go of them uh, their negative emotions or limiting beliefs that maybe they've suppressed over the years. And my job, I've uh, become the clearing queen, is to bring it up, emotionalize it, and let it out. Wow. And yeah. And I love, I love doing it. So I'm detoxing the body and detoxing the mind, and that's what I do to get myself through an autoimmune disease. So that's those are the steps you took to get well, or did you do some other things too? Absolutely. You, you must detox the body. So that that's flushing, drinking lots of water, flushing, eating lots of minerals. So that's heaps of vegetables or I supplement with minerals because minerals make muscles, minerals make hormones, that balances hormones and that's a whole plethora of things that can happen just by having beautiful minerals. And then I detox the the mind. I went and had coaching, got rid of anything that was um, stored inside, um, you know, so that I could release, so the body is then released of the negativity uh, because it becomes toxic. A negative emotion, a limiting belief, acidity in the body creates an autoimmune problem. Wow. So this is what you did to survive lupus, right? Yeah. And when did you know that it was making a difference? Um, I found a company that had a really good quality product and I started taking that product. It was a natural product. I went, oh my gosh, for the first time after nine years, I can feel a difference in me. So that was one thing. And um, another thing was about learning. I went to, I'm I'm a sponge for learning. So I was going to lots of different lectures and learning about us nutritionally 
And also, the teacher learns the most. So I became a teacher in health and wellness and fitness at university in TAFE. And while I was researching all the information, I was learning so much more about us. And that's why I decided to share it and put it in my books. Good for you. And I, like I said, I have a copy of your book that Carol Silkey gave me. It's the one on healing your immune system naturally. And I started reading it. I haven't gotten it done yet because I don't have a lot of spare time. But um, I, what I've read so far is is fascinating. So I really strongly recommend that people can, you know, consider getting this. And I'm going to guess that writing your books kind of forces you to continue to work on yourself and you know because you have to write down what you know what you remember maybe do some more research have you found that any of that has been helpful in your healing from anything you're going through oh look absolutely um that's my 11th book and so you can imagine the research i've done dr mario martinez's work where he worked across the um the blue zones where you've got thousands of people who are over 100 and well, why are they? Um, And he also looked at the emotions. So I wrote that in my book, Ages and Attitude. And he looked at the emotions of shame. And if people um, with autoimmune diseases, he found that a lot of them carry the emotion of shame. So if Mm. you think back in your life at any time where we had shame, what he says is to look at um, honour. Write down all the things where you felt honoured. It might have been in preschool. It might have been in sports. It might have been through work, whatever. But just keep writing down all the times you felt honoured and you can actually override the negative feeling of shame. Wow. So so if you start, again, that Polaroid versus the big picture. So the Polaroid is the shame and the big picture is is the honour. And, yeah, that's I love that. Um, Cool. Thank you. And so I'm going to guess that you have a wellness goal. How do we set a wellness goal? Can you walk us through that step by step? So the first thing to do is to visualize. What is Mm -hmm. it that you want to look like, be like when you're well? Okay. And, And get very clear about that because the subconscious mind is symbolic, which means it needs a very clear symbol to work from. So when you went to buy a house or a car, you became very clear about what they look like. The same thing is about your health. What does it look like when you're very well? Who are you being? What are you doing? And and what's going on in in your body? So the mind, and we don't want mind over matter. Mind over matter tended to create the disease. We want mind and matter, which is the body, working together. Mm. Okay. Because if you're just working with the um, the mind, the 4% of consciousness, you wear out your adrenals, which creates the autoimmune. We want the body. If you're getting a cramp, that's the body telling you that you're short of magnesium and calcium. And that's all in the book. So the, the body working together with the mind is imperative. You can create that picture. And really, the bigger the picture, the better. In other words, keep going with what does that picture look like for More you? More details. More details. When I'm well. When I'm well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And so then, set a visual yeah. and then mind and matter working together, not mind yes. over matter. And then what else? And then start doing the action. What is the action? Remember, decide what you want. That's visual. Then start to believe I can do this and then... Um, act on it. So what are the actions you want to take? Am I going to eat more minerals? If I don't like minerals, can I juice them? Can I throw them in um, anything that I make? Can I throw them in like a spaghetti bolognese or a soup like you're making? Hundreds and thousands of minerals, whatever I can do, which is vegetable. So how can I increase that side of my life? How can I neutralize the acid in my system? How much more water can I drink to flush out my liver and kidneys and what have you? So what actions am I taking? The other thing is to learn to respond. In other words, not react to other Uh. people, but how can I respond to that? That keeps me calm. I'm writing things down when I'm getting quiet because this is good. So respond rather than react. Yes, and And how can I respond to that? Keeping calm. Whenever somebody gives you a negative, you just say, that's interesting, and you just, in your your head, (laughs) you go, you go, that's um, how can I respond to that? Thank you for your thought. And in your mind, you're going, today I'm not taking that on board. You know, I like that because it's really easy to do what we call pick up the brick, you know, pick it up and throw it back at them, like completely yeah. disagree with them, completely 
you know, put them down and make them feel bad for even sharing. But, you know, when people sometimes share things like, you know, going through cancer, everybody and their brother tells me the cure for cancer is this. And it's never the same thing. It's always something different. And, and I, 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 I used to kind of get irritated with that, but I've learned that when people say that, it's coming from a place of love and care. And so just knowing that when people try to give you advice, they're not putting you down, they're not trying to micromanage, they're just, they're coming from a place of care and compassion. So mm-hmm. to if you can think of it that way, it's much easier to say, thank you for your concern, I'll yep. research it or I'll take a look at that later or something mm-hmm. um, because it's really easy to get kind of bent out of shape otherwise. So mm-hmm. I really, I like that and it keeps you calm and it doesn't cause a fight or a wall to go up between the two of you. You know, you just, and again, just recognizing it for its intent, not for its outcome, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so, all right, so talking about your books, I have we only have a couple minutes left, so as the author of 11 books, which is the best one for somebody just starting out? If they are just going through something right now that they're battling and they've never thought about any of this before, which of your 11 books should they consider buying and where would they buy it? Well, maybe the one um, you've got, which is Healing Your Immune System Naturally um, or Life After Lupus. Even though it says lupus, it's about healing the immune system. All my books are designed in why we get sick, what is exactly, is it, sickness, how do we get better, and then what if I could change my mindset. So they're the four ways people learn. So okay. all my books are designed that way so people can learn in the way they learn from the book. Okay. So the life after lupus, the healing your immune system naturally, the age is an attitude, they're all designed that way for people and the, to And learn. the healing, healing your immune system naturally, that's your most recent book, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. And how can they buy that? They can buy it if they go to my website, which is mindpowerglobal.com.au. Mind Power Global, okay. Dot com dot au. Okay. They can and go to products. Okay, all right. All my books are there. Okay. And can they, is it on Amazon too or not? It's on Amazon Kindle. Okay. It absolutely okay. is. Yep. Okay, excellent. Um, our, well, I'm really excited. We are out of time. I have to give the little plug now for Breast Friends, so I'm going to do that. But before I do, Linda, I want to say thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your sharing and your willingness to um, come on the show and do this with me because I know that this is an ungodly hour for you. Nine o'clock in the morning when this is recorded is I don't remember. I think we figured out three three in the morning. So anyway, um, but thank you for joining us. For all of our new listeners out there, uh, please visit breastfriends.org if you need any information on surviving cancer and also consider making a donation to us. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There's always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.